Hey, we're glad to have you here with us today at One Chapel. We're a church in Kyle that helps people move from where they are to where God wants them to be. You can learn more about One Chapel and the things God is doing here at onechapel.com. Now, here's this week's message. Um, I'm, a, I'm pretty much a child of the 80s. Um, I, I was born in 75, and so that means that... <laughs> so, yeah, I'm, I'm getting up there. That means... That means that in 85, I was 10 years old. I'm pretty good at math, too. And uh, so it was kind of in this, the, the mid-80s were this really just fun, crazy, weird time of life, especially when you were a little kid, because there's all these incredible things coming out. There's all kinds of incredible cartoons and, of course, music, and Saturday mornings were the greatest thing ever, because you would just wake up at 6 a.m. Anybody experience this? You wake up at 6 a.m., you're like, boom, sitting in front of your three channels that you got to watch. Yes. And really just enjoying yourself. Every other day, you could not get up. But on Saturday, if I woke up at 5.30, I was like, yes. Good cartoon watching time before anybody gets up. And so along with some of the cartoons that came out, there were all these toys that were coming out. And I was excited about them. And one particular toy just really caught my attention and was really, really amazing. It was the Transformers. Transformers came out, and I was like, I mean, just look at it. I was like, this is so amazing. You have Optimus Prime. Look how amazing and technical he is. Uh, what was this guy's name? I think it was Shockwave, maybe. Is that right? Maybe, that might be Starscream over there. Soundwave, is that right? Sorry, bro. That was, uh, is, that, is that Starscream over there? Starscream, yeah. So, so, wow, you guys are really enjoying this message so far. It's not helping anybody, but it's a lot of fun. And and I was so enthralled with these, and I love them so much. And so we were going to go on a trip, and I was like, oh, can I get a little toy for the trip? And my mom said, yeah, absolutely. So let's go to the store. And we went to the store, and we looked at all these Transformers. I was like, oh, who am I going to get? Will it be Starscream? Will it be Optimus? Maybe Bumblebee? Who's it going to be? And I was so excited. And my mom was kind of like, oh, yeah, trip's kind of expensive. We may not be able to afford a Transformer. But maybe, maybe instead you could get this GoBot. And that's what I ended up with. I had that guy. I had that guy over there on the edge. Transformers are all like, and these guys are like, click, click, and it was done. And it was the lamest thing ever. It was like, it was so phony and fake and silly. And I was, and I was like, man, mom, you don't understand. I mean, look, who, what do you want? Would you like to have this? Let's see that next picture, please. No, the next one. Not that one. This. Do you want this? Look how cool and amazing that there's ships and everything. Or do you want to see this? <laughs> What's wrong with that guy? There was this real thing out there, and I experienced something that was a fake of the real thing. And it was really discouraging. This happens over, all over our world, by the way. You've probably seen some of it just here and there on different products. Like, check this out. There's this uh, soap that I found called Dave, the Dave Beauty Bar. I don't know what that is. Uh, there's another one. There's like, uh, yeah, keep moving here. There's a, the Boreo. I love a good Boreo and milk. Keep it moving here. There's uh, the Mikey's. Nice pair of Mikey's to wear. Uh, or the Nike, which I like even better. Actually, around my house, I tell my kids to not be Nike, but whatever. It's uh, keep. I love this, burger, madam, and sir. Equal opportunity, thank you very much. No kings around here, we're both involved, that's fantastic. Master beef, I don't know if you can read that, but not master card, but master beef. 
the weird thing about Master Beef is, just like MasterCard, it will cost you, actually, if you eat there. Not good. Uh, and this is one of my favorite ones. <laughs> Ran to the store to pick myself up a special man. <laughs> is a sentence I thought I'd never say. Uh, and then there's maybe one more. Oh, yeah, this is good. Microsoft Binbos. I have so many things that I want to say, and I'm not going to say any of them. Um, what am I talking about here, everybody? We, we, we hate it when we get the fake thing. We wanted the real thing, but we get the fake thing instead, right? This happens all over the world today. Do you remember in the 70s there was a show called Real People? Some of you guys who are of a certain age, you might remember the show Real People. It was the, kind of the first reality TV show, and reality TV show that became a big deal uh, we'll put real in front of words to help sell. So we'll say, we got 100% real coffee or real leather or it's, it's real wood. We've, we have Coke, which we call the real thing. Everybody's in the search for something real. In James chapter 2, which is where we're going to go today, James is talking about the stark difference between real faith and counterfeit faith. What is it that defines people that actually have a real faith and what is it that defines people who are actually living with a counterfeit faith? So buckle up, everybody. It's going to be a fun Sunday. <laughs> a couple weeks ago, we kicked off this series of messages in the book of James. And last week, you all heard from my father, Ken Parsley. And he did such a great job. He's the man. Just an incredible thing. And he did that last minute because I, I got sick on Saturday night. And so thank you all for those of you that texted and sent emails and checked in on me. I appreciate it. I'm fine. Don't talk to me too closely today. Just kidding. I'm doing fine. Um, but one of the things you'll notice as we go through the book of James is that this is a really practical book. Like It's really helpful. It's essentially a how-to for the Christian life. So chapter 2 is this infamous faith versus works chapter that many of us are familiar with. You get verses like this in James 2.17, in the same way, faith by itself, if it's not accompanied by action, is dead. Now, this is a pretty important idea. Faith without action is dead. Faith without action is no faith at all. And what James is pointing to here is, is that there are people, there are people out in his world, just like there are in our world today, people out there that think, they believe they're Christians, but in reality, they're not. They think that they're following after Jesus. They think that they have a faith that's strong, but the reality is they have no faith at all. And so James is going to break this down for us a little bit, what it means to have real faith. But just before we get there, I think it's really important that we understand uh, what these, uh, the stuff about this verse, because this is kind of a controversial passage for a lot of people. This brings up a lot of controversy, and it's misunderstood a lot of times, and it's even used by people sometimes to argue that, that we, you and I, we've got to work our way to get to heaven. In fact, cults will use this idea to try to prove to you that what you have to do is work your way to get into heaven. So it's really important that we understand what James is really talking about in this passage. So when those discussions come up and those other voices come at you, you'll kind of know how to respond, and more importantly, you'll know how you should live. And part of the problem is what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 2, 8 through 9. Familiar to probably most of you. For it's by grace you've been saved through faith. This not from yourselves. It's the gift of God. It's not by works so that nobody can boast. So the Apostle Paul is teaching all of us that we are saved 
by faith alone. That's it. Not through works. But then James rolls along in James chapter 2, and he says, well, uh, actually, it, it's not just faith, but it's faith and works. So what's James talking about? And who's right? Is Paul right? Is James right? Well, the reality is, is that they're, they're both right, of course. They're just talking about a couple different things. So let's just try to break it down just a little bit here before we move on. So in, in Ephesians chapter 2, the apostle Paul, he's fighting the problem of legalism. Everybody say legalism. He's pushing back on legalism where people are saying, you've got to keep all the Jewish laws, all the Jewish uh, regulations in order to be a Christian. That's what people are saying. And so Paul is pushing back on that idea of legalism. Go to James, and James, on the other hand, he's not fighting legalism. What James is fighting is laxity. He's fighting people just saying, it doesn't really matter what you do. All that really matters is, is that you believe. So James and Paul are fighting against two different sides, two different enemies here in these passages. So when Paul uses the word works, he's talking about the Jewish regulations. He's talking about things like circumcision. You can't be saved by these kinds of things. It's by faith alone. Paul's talking about Jewish laws like circumcision. But James, when he uses the word works, he's talking about the lifestyle of a Christian. The things that you and I do after we follow Jesus. So Paul is focused on the root of salvation. What happens to me internally when I follow Jesus? Where James is focusing on the fruit. Paul's talking about the root of salvation. Paul is, uh, James is talking about the fruit of salvation. What happens on the outside after I get saved? Paul's talking about essentially how to know that you're a Christian. How do you know you become a Christian? But James is talking about how to show that you're actually a Christian. So Paul, as he talks about this, he's talking about simply how to become a believer, and James is talking about how to behave like a believer. You can kind of see it all summed up actually by Paul in Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. A different translation helps us. It says, for it is by God's grace you have been saved through faith. It's not the result of your own efforts, but God's gift so that nobody can boast about it. God has made us what we are, and in our union with Christ Jesus, he has created us for a life of good works, which he has already prepared for us to do. Did you see it? So check that out. Those of you who are English majors, uh, there are three key prepositions in this passage. By, through, and for. It's by grace, through faith, for good works. And the order here is really, really, really important. By grace, through faith, for good works. If you get these out of order, you get yourself in a little bit of trouble. Some of us actually, we live like we've been saved by works for faith. <laughs> I've been saved by my works. I gotta get all cleaned up. I gotta get my life together. I gotta make all the right decisions and then I can come to Jesus. Then I can be saved so now I can have some faith. No, you missed that whole thing. It doesn't work that way. You only get saved by faith in Jesus. That's the only way to come to him. If you get it mixed up, you're going to be in trouble. Paul is clearly saying we're saved by grace through faith. In other words, we're saved just by accepting the gift of God. And it's free, everybody. It's free for every single one of us. And then once we're saved, now we get to partner with God to be able to do some work. Do you see it? Yes or no? That's good. So the question for James is, how do I do this? And how do I actually show that I'm a believer? How can I tell if I'm really living the real thing or if I've got something fake? Do I have a transformers kind of faith 
or do I have a GoBots faith? <laughs> That's ridiculous. But this is what James is talking about in James chapter 2. And James is going to say, really, there's five ways that you can know if you've got the real thing. And I'm going to try to do them as quick as, quick as I can. I think that the first thing James says, you read through James chapter 2. He says that real faith is not just something that you say. It's not just something that you say. James 2.14, he says, what good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith, but he has no deeds? Can such faith save them? James doesn't say this person actually has faith. What he says is, this person just claims to have a faith. They like to just kind of talk about it. He likes to say he's got faith, and he knows all the right things to say. He can show up on a Sunday, and he can say all the right language. He can say, oh, bless God, glory be to Jesus, hallelujah. He can walk through the lobby and say, brother, sister, how you doing? Good to see you, brother. Looking good, brother. Hey, looking sharp, sister. Easy. You can. <laughs> he knows. He can say all the right, and he, lo- and he looks pretty good. And he can say the right things. Uh, oh, hey, would you like to come over to our house on Saturday for a little bit of fellowship? Fellowship's like Christian, but it's talking. It's like talking, but it's Christian. Is what I mean to say? It's like, come on over for, our, for some fellowship, and we'll, we'll build some community together. He knows how to say it. They know how to pray correctly. And Lord, I just echo the prayer of my friend. You know the echo? Are you familiar with the echo? I'd like to echo the echo of, the, of my echo, of that echo, of the person that echoed that. Remember? You, you know, some of you haven't been saved long enough maybe, but good for you. <laughs> you. You don't need to worry about any of this stuff. They know how to pray about hedges of protection and, Lord, give us traveling mercies, which I don't even know what those are. They know how to say all the right stuff, but it's just that. They just know how to say it. Most of you know the Barna Research Group, and they, they released some stats on the unchurched, and these are, these are a little while ago, but it kind of helps us understand what we're talking about here. They say, the Barna Research Group says, an unchurched person is an adult who has not attended a Christian church service within the past six months, including holidays and, um, or not including holidays or special events like weddings or funerals at a church. And so here's what they had to say. There was a 92% increase in the number of unchurched Americans between 91 and 2004. 92% increase. In 91, there were 39 million unchurched Americans compared with 75 million in 2004. But more than three out of five of those unchurched adults, 62%, they considered themselves to be Christian. They'd never darkened the doors of a church. There weren't really a lot of things to show this, but 44% of them claimed they have made a personal commitment to Jesus. It's still important to them today. This right here is the same thing. James was dealing with it back then, and we still deal with it here today. Even though people might say they're followers of Jesus, real faith requires more than just talking about it. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, 21, Not everybody who, come, who's te- who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. So not everybody with a Christian bumper sticker on their car is a follower of Jesus. You see the little fish, and if they're on 35 and you see the way they drive, you already knew they still got some stuff to work out. Not everybody who wears a cross or gets a cross tattoo, not all of them are followers of Jesus. Not everybody who shows up to church on a Sunday morning is a follower of Jesus. And James is saying, can such faith save them? What value is this kind of faith? And actually, it's a rhetorical question because the answer is, it has no value. There's no value in it at all. In other words, talk is cheap. (laughs) Talk is cheap. So James is saying real faith 
is, is something more. It's not just something that you say. It requires something more. The second thing that James says as you work through this passage is, he says, real faith, it's not just something that you feel. Real faith isn't just something that you feel. In other words, real faith is more than just emotions. It's more than I'm feeling good or I'm feeling close to God or I'm, I'm not. And I think a lot of people do. They confuse emotions and sentiment with faith. But the reality is, you can be emotionally moved and never, ever act on it. You can, you can go to church and you can feel something. Ooh, that song was good. Ooh, I got a goosebump. Ooh, I got a bunch. Ooh, the chorus comes and you, you just feel that draw. Oh, oh, I'm feeling this today, Saul. Oh, that So Will I song. Oh, Saul. You might be worshiping the wrong person if you're doing that, actually. But. <laughs> but you know what I'm talking about. You feel that thing. You feel that emotion. And you feel, oh, I f- this feels so good. I must be so close. You can even come to church and you can cry. You can shed tears. But emotions by themselves, they never make a difference in our lives. James gives this illustration. James 2, 15. He says, suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well-fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? What good does that do? What good is it if you see somebody and you need and you say, oh, I just feel for you. I just feel so bad for you. I'm going to go home and I'm going to pray for you. That's, That's good. That's a good first step. But James is saying real faith, it's more than just words. It's more than just feelings. It's what John would say in 1 John 3, 17. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? I like how Eugene Peterson puts it in the message. If you see some brother or sister in need and have the means to do something about it, but you turn a cold shoulder and you do nothing, what happens to God's love? It disappears. And hey, guess what? You made it disappear. Real faith is more than sympathy. It's more than feelings. It's more than emotions. You can do something about it. A real faith actually takes initiative. You can act on it. Everybody doing okay so far? All right, well, let's keep going then. The third thing that James says as you work through this is he says real faith, it's not just something that you think. (laughs) Real faith isn't just, it's not just an intellectual exercise. It doesn't just reside up here. And some people, that's what faith is. It's an intellectual exercise. It's something, faith is something that should be studied. It's something that should be debated at length, primarily on Facebook. Oh, you know it's true. Don't you love reading all of those discussions? I don't. Um, It's something that should be talked about over and over and over again. And James kind of imagines this this intellectual objector. And he says in verse 18, but somebody's going to say, you have faith, I have deeds. James is imagining some intellectual guy. He's got a pipe in his mouth. His robe is made of tweed with leather elbow patches. (laughs) I don't know. know. He's a real intellectual type. And he's just saying, you're into faith and I'm into works. It's cool, man. Different strokes for different folks. Let's just have a rigorous debate about it. Let's just talk about an experienced faith. You've got your thing. I've got mine. I want to be mentally stimulated here as we kind of talk about faith, but, <laughs> but don't ask me to make any real commitments. I don't really want to do anything. To which James says, show me your faith without deeds, and I'm going to show you my faith by my deeds. 
I'm going to show you faith by the things that I do. In other words, James is saying, show me. Show me that Jesus has made a difference in your life. Show me that something has actually happened that's transforming to you. Show me that your faith propels you forward in love to do something for other people. What he's saying here is real faith is visible. You can see real faith. It's apparent. It doesn't just reside in my head or in my heart. It shows. I heard somebody say, faith is kind of like calories. You can't see them, but you can see what they do. (laughs) That's kind of what James is talking about here. He's saying, show me your faith. You say you're a Christian. Okay, that's great. Now prove it. Let me see your actions. Back up the stuff that you're saying. It's like what Jimmy Carter, President Jimmy Carter said in his book, Why Not the Best? He said, one of the things that was the turning point in my life was when somebody asked me the question, if you were arrested for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? Would it just be intellectual assent, mental assent? Would it just be things that you knew or talked about? Or would there actually be evidence in your life to point to, to say, oh, that looks like a Jesus follower? It's a great question, isn't it? It's a good question for all of us to ask ourselves today. And this is what James is talking about. If you say, I know it, James says, go ahead and show it. Let's see it. Prove it. Because if you really are a true follower of Jesus, you're going to see changes in your life. You can't help it. If you're a true follower of Jesus, you're going to see it because real faith always produces change. It's always visible. It will always transform the way that you act and think. The way that you treat your wife is going to change because you're a follower of Jesus. The way that you treat your husband is going to be transformed because you're a true follower of Jesus. The way that you interact with people at work, the the ethical decisions that you make at work, they will all change as you continue to follow Jesus and your faith is real. The way that you speak will be different. The way that you handle problems is different. The way you handle that person on I-35 with the Jesus sticker will be different. You'll wave with all five fingers instead. (laughs) So real faith, it's not just something that you say. It's not just something you feel. It's not just something that you think. And real faith isn't just something that you believe. It's not just something that you believe. In James 2.19, James says, you believe there's one God? Oh, good. Even demons believe that. And they shudder. (laughs) Even demons get it. And they shudder. You know, there's a lot of people, especially on Facebook, that have strong beliefs about God. They've got strong beliefs about the Bible. They've got strong beliefs about Jesus and about Christianity. They can recite creeds to you, kind of like we did today. They could talk about doctrines of the Trinity all day long. They can quote Bible verses to you. And James comes along and he kind of says, big deal, man. (laughs) Big deal. Just saying I believe in God is not enough. Even the devil believes that. And he has has enough sense to tremble at it, to realize the awesome power that God has. This word believe, in the Greek it means to trust in, to cling to, to rely on, to commit yourself completely. That's what James is talking about. Look, I could believe all day long that I'm an excellent basketball player. I don't understand why that's funny. (laughs) I haven't completed any thought yet. I can believe all day long that I'm a great basketball player. It doesn't mean that I can play basketball. And you're one step ahead of me. I cannot. 
Uh, it's kind of like, I, I could believe that, kind of like the American Idol people do. You know what I'm talking about? That these people that believe they're good singers, and somewhere, for some reason along the way, they did not have family that loved them, and they did not have friends that loved them because they were not honest to them. And so millions and millions of people get to watch them make fools of themselves as they think they're incredible. And, and it's just the worst, most horrible experience for all of us that you could imagine. They think... They believe that they're great singers. They are not. They believe it. It's not enough. That's what James is saying here, which means that you and I, we can believe in Jesus and still not be a follower of Jesus. It can happen. That's why real faith is more than just saying, I believe. I talk to people like this often. I'm sure you do too. They'll say, oh yeah, I do. I believe. Oh yeah, I believe in Jesus. Oh, that's great. Well, tell me, so uh, do you attend church? Oh, no, no, I don't do that. Oh. Well, do you, do you give of your time somewhere? Do you, you serve some people somewhere? Oh, no, I'm real busy, okay? No. Oh, well, do you, do you tithe somewhere? Do you give into a local storehouse? <laughs> no. Do, well, do you read the Bible? Oh, no, 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 no. It's, 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 it's complex. Well, do you, do you worship God? No, not really. Well, do you, do you have a prayer life? No, no, I sure don't. This is what James is talking about. Honestly, he's saying, if you only believe, the reality is, I'm sorry, it's a phony belief. If you just believe and nothing else comes of it, it's a phony belief. You're just conning yourself. You don't actually have a real and lasting faith. Everybody still doing good? Okay, good. So if real faith is not just something that you say, if real faith is not just something that you feel, not just something that you think, and not just something that you believe, then what is real faith? And I think already by now you understand what James is saying is real faith, it's something that you do. It's not that hard, everybody. Real faith is just something that you do. James chapter 2, verse 20, he says, You foolish person, do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? <laughs> yeah, I do, I really do. Was not our father Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith and his actions were working together and his faith was made complete by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God and it was credit to him as righteousness. And he was called God's friend. You see that a person is considered righteous by what they do and not by faith alone. In the same way, was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction? As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. James gives these two illustrations of two very different people. Abraham, he's a man. Rahab, she's a woman. Abraham is Jewish. Rahab is a Gentile. Abraham is a patriarch. Rahab is a prostitute. Abraham, he's well known pretty much by everybody. Rahab is pretty much a nobody. Abraham is a major Bible character for you and to me, and Rahab is a minor Bible character. So James is using these two people to say, it doesn't matter who you are, it's what you do that matters. Because the only thing that Abraham and Rahab had in common was their faith in God. That was it. And their faith in God led them to action, led them to do some things. And the point that James is making is, it's this. Our faith, you and me, our faith, it's not determined by what we do. You don't get faith by your actions. Our faith is demonstrated by what we do. The things that you do demonstrate that you actually have faith. 
You don't gain faith by acting. Your acting shows that you have faith. Are you with me, everybody? In 1959, there was a, there was a famous tightrope walker named Charles Blondin. I'm not sure about the pronunciation of his name, but I think it's Blondin. Blondine? I don't know. And uh, he was an amazing guy, and he, he decided for a publicity stunt that he wanted to walk across Niagara Falls on a tightrope. I think I actually have a photo of him. This guy, Charles Blondin, just in crazy, just insane stuff. So on that day, of course, they stretched out the rope across Niagara Falls from one side to another, and he stands up on one side, and, and people are just gathering on the Canadian side, on the American side, and they can't believe what they're about to see. And so Charles Blondin, he starts to walk. He walks across that tightrope, goes all the way across to the other side, and everybody's amazed. People are just applauding and going crazy. I can't believe that he did this. And then he goes back. He does it again. And people are just astounded. Oh, he did it more than once. He can really do this well. And then he keeps going. And he does crazy things as he's doing it. He, he did it one time in a sack. He put a sack on and he walked across it like that. He did it once on stilts. He went across on a bike and back again. He did it blindfolded. And the report actually says that one time he had a little oven that he went across with and he made an omelet out in the middle. <laughs> and then he went and got a wheelbarrow, put a bunch of potatoes in it, and he took the wheelbarrow with potatoes across on a tightrope across Niagara Falls. And the people were astounded. Blondin, you are the greatest tightrope walker we have ever seen. Surely nobody could do what you do. I mean, you just don't fail. It's amazing. And Blondin said, well, that's great. You're right. Who wants to get in the wheelbarrow? I think you know what happened. Nobody took him up on the offer. Nobody would do it. Everybody, this is exactly the position that God is putting you in today. He has all the power. He has all the authority. He has everything that you need to be able to do all the things that he's called you to do. And he's got this wheelbarrow, and he's simply saying, hey, I want you to get in with me. I don't want you just to believe that I can do the things that I say I can do. I don't want you just to believe that I'm who I say I am. I want you to jump in and I want you to go across the rope with me. I want you to move to action. Talk is cheap. Put your money where your mouth is. You say, I believe in Jesus, that's great. The time has come to demonstrate it, to prove it, to take some steps out and see what God can do through you. Our faith is demonstrated by our actions. Our behavior, it shows what we really believe. Why don't you guys come on up? Our behavior shows what we really believe. Oh, I believe that God has all the power and all the authority. I believe that God can heal the sick and raise the dead. Oh, let's go pray for this person. Oh, <laughs> that's a step too far. It's not enough just to believe it. Real faith takes a step out. The way that you and I are living our lives, it's communicating what we really believe about Jesus. Why don't you close your eyes, if you would, 
bow your heads. And I just want you along with me. I'm doing the same thing you're doing today. Do what 2 Corinthians 13, 5 says. It says, examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. It actually says, test yourselves. Check it out. Test it. See today if you're really a believer in Jesus or not. Is faith for you mental assent? Has faith been a feeling for you and you feel close or you feel far? Has faith just been something that you say? Have you gotten stuck in just believing a set of ideas and not letting it transform who you are and what you do? Look, I'm pushing on you today. I have no condemnation for you. That's not my job. That's not my responsibility. My responsibility is to read the scriptures to you, try to help understand what they say, and let God do his work in you. So where are you today? Are you stuck with talk? Are you stuck with thinking? Are you stuck with feeling? Are you stuck with simply believing? And if so, are you ready to take the next step to act on your faith? To watch your relationship with your spouse be different. To watch as love fills up your life and your heart. To watch as the Holy Spirit fills you and guides you and leads you and takes you on an incredible venture of faith. Do you want that today? For some of you, it might be the first time you make a decision like that. Maybe you've never even taken a step forward and said, I want to have faith in Jesus. The good news is you can do it today. And he's already done everything necessary for you to receive everything he wants to give you. The Bible's pretty clear that all of us have sinned. You have, I have, and none of us measure up to God's goodness. The Bible also says that the price that we pay for sin, what we earn for neglecting and running away and disobeying God, what we earn for that is death. But God had a plan for you and me. Sent his own son, part of himself, Jesus, into the world. And Jesus came and said, I'll pay that price for you. I'll die on a cross. I'll give my life. I'll shed my blood so you don't ever have to. But the thing that he did is they put him in a tomb for three days and then he came back again rose victorious and conquered sin and conquered death and conquered hell and provided a way for you to have relationship with God. And now he wants to be the bridge to bring you back together. He wants to be the one to give you real faith. And make no mistake, there are no works that you can do to earn this. You can't earn this faith. It's a free gift to everybody. And what it requires then is that you simply surrender your life to him and just receive everything he wants to give you. So if that's you, first time, second time, 50th time, and you want a faith that matters, a faith that's real, a faith that acts, would you just make a decision right there in your chair? I won't call you up and I won't send you out of the room. I'm not gonna do anything weird. 
I just want you to make the decision in your seat and just say to God, God, that's me. I want that. God, that's me. I want that. And then you pray this simple prayer, and I'll help you with the words. You say, Jesus, I believe in you, and I want to have faith. So I'm choosing today to believe that you died on the cross and that you rose again and that you paid for my sin. I receive that payment today. Would you restore me to relationship with God the Father? Forgive me for my sins. I'm turning away from my old life. And the best way I know how today, I'm giving my life to you. Give me a real faith that acts. Father, all across this room, I pray for people that are making that decision, that now you would fill them. It's by grace they've been saved through faith for the works that you've prepared for them to do. And I pray that you would now fill them up with everything they need to do everything that you've called them to do. We receive that by faith today in Jesus' name. Thanks again for being here with us today. If God is doing something in your life or you're looking for ways to get connected, we want to help. You can find everything you need online at onechapel.com welcome. You can subscribe to future messages on your favorite podcast player, and you're always invited to services every Sunday morning at 9.30 and 11.30. We'll see you next time.